everyone. Welcome back to another edition. Hey, Fighting Podcast. As always, Cody Worsham, digital media reporter for LSU Athletics, joined by former LSU running back Jacob Hester. Jacob, uh, I'm shook. I'm, I'm just letting you know that I'm starting this episode shook. I have a story. You were shooketh. I'm shooketh. Okay. Extremely shooketh. So before the show, my, my 9 o'clock meeting finished early. And I had some time to kill. So I went over, grabbed some coffee, went inside. And... I placed my order, and the the lady says, okay, what's your name? I said, Cody. And she looked at me with this very strange, mercurial look on her face, and she said, do you have another name? Exactly. I made the, the, face, that you, the, huh? the face that he just made, if you're watching on YouTube, I just made. I've never been asked that question before. Do you have another name? No, I have one that my parents yeah. gave me. I do have a middle name and a last name. But McLean, which is my middle name, would be kind of weird to put on a coffee cup, right? You're not going to... Actually, I kind of like that. It's, I mean, there's a little swagger to it, but I wasn't in that moment like ready to jump to my middle like, name. Immediately, I'm thinking your nickname now is Die Hard for John McLean. Okay, I like going. that. That's like, cool. That's cool. Going, I, I can take that. Yeah. And then I wasn't going to put Worsham either. It just feels weird. Like, yeah. But mostly, like those would have been acceptable answers. I just didn't have the capacity in that moment. And so I said, no, I, I don't have another name. Why do you ask? Yeah. which is the natural follow-up. And she said, well, the guy in front of you is also named Cody. Mm. And he ordered the exact same thing that you did. So now I'm extra shook, and I'm looking around, trying to identify of the who's patrons Cody? in there, who's Cody. Um, no one looks like me. But I, I don't know. It felt like a doppelganger moment. It felt like a Truman Show moment. I was on the yeah. Truman Show. Maybe like a, a very uh, small and not very good prank, but a prank nonetheless. Uh, regardless, we wait for a couple minutes, and the of course the, the barista says, Cody and Cody. And so me and Cody yeah. walk up and uh, he, he didn't look like me at all. He had very mm. long hair. Um, but we both grabbed our cups at the exact same time and just looked at each other and said, cheers, Cody. Good. And, I, was, I was hoping you had some interaction. I was hoping you at least like gave the, the guy head nod. Like when you see somebody in the mall and you like give him the head nod or something or, you, you know, you did cheers. or yeah. I said, I said, cheers, Cody. And then, he, and then he kind of went, huh, yeah. And then I said, good order. And he said, thanks, man. And then we parted ways. Yeah. So... But I'm still a little shook. Like it feels like someone's, I don't know, a Truman Show moment. Yeah, there's those... no, there's no shortening of of Cody. See, I would have gone, man. hey Jacob. Well, you have another name. I said, well Jake. Ah, you don't code. Have yeah, C Dub is what what my that was my first uh, instant messenger screen name. So I could have gone with C Dub. That's actually not horrible. Yeah, that's not horrible. Much better, much better than mine was. Next time I get asked, do you have another name? I'll try to lean on that. Okay. Enough banter. <laughs> I, I don't get to tell you what my aim. Oh yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Uh, it was Iceman Thirteen. Iceman Thirteen. Yeah. Top Gun. Top Gun. Let's go. That's right. <laughs> Val Kilmer. Let's do it. I just did the Val yeah, Kilmer bite. Good too. Thank you. That's Thank loud. You. I got into it. I felt. I felt. Your, uh, your teeth might be shook now. Speaking of shook. No, but. don't worry. My teeth. My teeth are great. Big chompers. Okay. <laughs> uh, let's talk football. No one wants to hear about my coffee stories anymore. Let's talk football. We were at practice yesterday. We saw each other. Yep. You were at practice all weekend. I was not there. I was in Colorado. For By the way, just a little clarity before we get to the football. It wasn't my brother's second wedding. Basically, they paid for this wedding last year. COVID right. canceled it, and so they couldn't get their money back. So they were like, of course, we're going to go yeah. enjoy this. So just a little clarity. Yeah. They were married, but then they celebrated their marriage. So we just celebrated it a yeah. year later. It was fantastic. I had a great time. Thank you, Cade. Thank you, Carly. Love you guys. Football. Uh, you were there this weekend. I was there yesterday. You were there yesterday. General observations. Let's talk big picture first and then we'll right. go little picture very very detailed first but big picture camp takeaways from the first few days so big picture for me i always go position battles i go okay here's where i think there needs to be some work done did they answer those questions in the first couple of days um 
Let's start with safety. I wasn't sure about Major Burns. I didn't know what role he was going to have on this team. He was vocal. He was vocal, and you couldn't deny his presence on the field. Yep. So that was something that stood out to me because when we start talking about safety names, and I think I, I think I did this last week or two weeks ago, whenever we were talking safeties, like he might have been like one of the last names I said because. You know, he wasn't in the signing class. He's transferring from somewhere else. He wasn't a name that we've seen in an LSU uniform before. But my goodness, did he flash. So that, to me, that's important. That's yep. someone who's no transferring from Georgia. He was Obviously, he's from the area, knows LSU, knows what the expectations are, all those type of things. But he flashed to me. So that was in that group. At the linebacker position, I mean, that was a position I think a lot of us have talked about a lot, Okay. Well, there was a couple of guys that, that flashed to me, but a young guy that I didn't talk about when we talked about the linebacker position that has an opportunity to play is Greg Penn. Didn't really talk about him. Now, I should probably listen to the head coach when Coach O came on a couple of weeks ago. He's like, hey, 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 don't forget, Greg Penn. That's a guy that's flashed for us in workouts. Heard, like, heard he dropped his name this morning, too. He did. So that's something to pay attention to. And then the running back group, TDP, man. I, 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 have, I have said, hey, it is time. TDP, John Emery, y'all have got so much skill. We've seen it before. Let's go take this RB1 job. Well, TDP heard that on Saturday, and he is someone that he flashed an inside run, which is so hard to do. Inside run, especially at that time on Saturday with no pads on, it's going to be a drill that's leaned towards the defense because they know it's run, you know it's run, there's no threat of a pass, and so they can just pin their ears back and get after it, right? In the defense, the first couple of plays that they won, but then Coach O challenged the offense. And TDP and all the really the other young running backs as well, they started to hit some runs. The offensive line started to push the defensive line a little bit more. And then TDP and team drill hit what I think was a 60-65 yard run and scored, finished it in the end zone. I love seeing that. I yeah. love seeing that ability. We've seen him do that against a Florida team in Tiger Stadium in 2019 to really close the game out. If we can get that from TDP and John Emery and then the young running backs look like they're ready to play, that's a position group that we've asked to see more from and they're showing us more early. So big picture for me, first thing was, and part of it was just where I was standing, but I really watched the offensive line yesterday and watched Brad Davis coach them. And I think that group is going to have a much better season than they did last year. And I don't think they were terrible last year. They had some good games. They had some bad games. They were... Up and down. They were inconsistent. I don't think, if they stay healthy, I don't think that will be an issue this year. I think they have enough bodies and enough talent and enough experience, especially, to have a really good season. Not just in pass pro. I think in the running game, they're going to be very, very good. Um, First of all, Brad Davis as a coach, I'm... I heard y'all talking about this a little bit on the way over here. I'm in love with his coaching style. Y'all, I think T-Bob had a... I was standing next to T-Bob, so maybe we just... Brain synced, or maybe we talked about it out loud. I don't know, but there was a military feel to, to it, and and but it was very controlled. Right. Um. It wasn't. You know, you you hear coaches screaming and yelling and cussing all the time and all that stuff, whatever. Or high energy coaches. Yeah. It it felt like every comment that he made had a purpose, and it felt like every player he spoke to, he spoke to intentionally. So he would, you know, I mentioned Garrett Dell, or I'm gonna we're gonna talk about Garrett Dellinger later in, in the questions. But Garrett Dellinger was working with the ones at right guard a little bit. And he was he was getting on him, getting on him, getting on him. But then when he would make a correction, he would praise him. And he would say, way to self-correct. Way to self-. Yeah, and yeah. so it was a lot of, 
I don't, I don't want to say breaking down to building up because that sounds even harsher. It was a lot of positive reinforcement and a lot of very, very detailed coaching. And so I think all yeah. those guys um, will be on the same page. Um, and, and I think that's a huge part of offensive line. You, you know, me and my, my dumb brain thinks, hey, just line up across from the guy and hit him. That's, there's a lot more to it than that. And you could see him getting into the details. And so I, I feel like that unit is going to be a lot better. I'm wondering what your impressions are of the offensive line so far. Yeah, you have to work in unison at that position, right? It's not just, hey, this guy's in front of me. I'm going to strike and win my individual battle. It doesn't work like that on the offensive line. It's got to be five guys working in unison. That's why having all of these veteran players back was so important for LSU because you've got three guys who have played a lot of football, really four if you throw in Chase and Hines, played yeah. a lot of football at LSU that have worked together and know what that looks like. And if you're breaking in someone new at a new position – even if you have the individual talent, well, you have to work with us. You've got to help us out. Like, I'm a guard. I got to know my center, my tackle, my back, the whole deal, all the way down the line. So it was interesting to see him play some guard because he came in as a natural tackle. But sometimes when you're young in your career, those things just happen, right? Like you take a look at uh, Jack Besh right now. Well, Jack Besh is a receiver, but they're asking him right now to do some things at tight end. And that's okay because – I'm sure Jack Besh wants to get on the field. Yep. If you can help your team as a young player, I, I went through it as well. I didn't know what a fullback was really. I mean, I watched Mike Allstott. That was about that, that's what I knew. Yeah. Right. I knew Mike Allstott got to run the ball as well. But they're like, no, no, no. When you come to LSU, you're gonna play fullback for two years, and then if you get the opportunity to play running back and you show us you can do it, then that's what you're going to do. And that's exactly how my career played out. Yeah. So when you first get here, it's about helping the team, doing things to help the team win, and doing it in unison with your teammates so they don't notice that you're a young player. So that group having that much experience, all of that has worked out perfectly. Now left tackle, that's going to be something where now Cam Wire steps in, so you kind of lose your swing guy, which was such a good safety blanket to have. Yeah, It, it was. He's going to have to step up. He's going to play left tackle, and Anthony Bradford's going to have to play some guard and also play some tackle. So you're still looking to see you know, which guys step up and which guys take – ownership of that one position that looks like it's still left out there on the table so you mentioned that and we'll, we'll, we'll continue the camp conversation here with big picture and if you have any more big picture stuff let's throw it on at the end of this or we can zoom in a little bit closer with some little picture stuff but you mentioned left tackle cam wire and lsu has a left-handed quarterback max johnson is the lefty the blind side is now the right side i don't know if that changes things or not in the equation, I would imagine it changes some because left tackle is so prized in the NFL because it's the blind side and right. it's not the blind side anymore. Um, so maybe you can be a little stronger at right tackle with Austin yeah. Deculus, who has some experience and was moving his feet really well yesterday um, from what I saw and I think is, is, a, is a good experience presence there on the blind side for you. Um, but LSU just hasn't had like a lot of left-handed quarterbacks. I don't know if you've ever played with a left-handed quarterback at LSU, or certainly not at LSU. No, we, Clausen we, wasn't. He was gone by the time you got there, right? Yeah, he was gone the year before I got here. You would sometimes bring some into camp, yeah. in the NFL. But yeah, it's it's different. So I'm curious if you think it, it shifts things. Keishon Butte talked about this in his media uh, availability yesterday. How he'd never played with a left-handed quarterback, and yeah. it took some adjusting. Do you think it's a a big adjustment does it make things trickier for the defense or is it just something you get used to pretty quickly no i think it's definitely an adjustment for everyone like Keishon talked about the ball does spin differently when I mean, you can ask any receiver and that might sound like uh, you, you catch a pass you catch yeah. a, it, that's not the facts yeah i guess it would be clockwise coming from the the thrower versus counterclockwise it's just a, it, it, it's, it's something opposite. that's a little different 
right? And if you're now the right tackle, then yeah, you do become the blind side. So if I'm a defense coordinator on the other side of that, well, where do I put my best rusher? Because yeah. typically I'd put him on your right tackle. I put him on your right tackle, and that guy is someone that you feel like you have a matchup that favors the defense, right? But now things kind of change right now. And especially when you look at LSU because of Austin Deculus being a guy that's had so much experience at tackle. So that changes up exactly where they put their best rusher and some different things. So it seems like something small to go from here to here, but a lot of moving parts when you do it. Any other big picture observations from the last couple of days or even little picture ones? Uh, another big picture we got into a little bit is, uh, is the mentality of Garrett Nussmeyer. And that's important because you only have two quarterbacks. Yes. And when you only have two scholarship quarterbacks, that second guy is typically going to be a young guy, which he is. And typically young guys have sweaty palms thinking about going in a game. I get the I, I get the <laughs> belief that he is chomping to get into the game. Oh, yes. He has got a swagger. He has got a presence about him. And it's not in a I'm too cocky way. It's a I'm prepared for this moment way. Right, I mean, you can see it, and, and T. Bob and I talked about it this morning on our show. He had the tights on, he had the wristbands, he had the back flap hanging out the back of his jersey. That man is ready to go. If his number is called, it's not going to be too big for him. And I think that's really important for LSU because <laughs> last year they had some freshmen that had to play, and they did well because they had mentality. Like you think about Max's mentality; he's been ready to play. Yep. We had Aaron Murray on uh, like last week. He holds a record for most SEC yards in the career. And he said Max has been ready for that since he was seven. Yeah. Right? LSU's been very fortunate that they've had that guy in the wings waiting that is ready because we've also seen some freshmen at LSU that when they get in, their first pass is like five rows deep into the stands. So that stood out to me as well. So I want to build on that and work in an analogy that I was thinking of. So Nussmeyer is 100%, as you were saying, mentally um, in terms of this, the swagger, the confidence, the bravado, he's got that already. If anything, he may have to cull it back a little bit at some point, um, which is far preferable, far preferable yeah. to me than a guy that comes in and is a little bit cagey and a little bit nervous and wants to just blend in. He doesn't want to blend in. He, yeah. he, he wants to stick out in a, and in a good way. It's not a look at me, look no. at me necessarily. It's a – because yesterday the, the thing that stood out to me was him barking at the offensive line. They were, they were in nine on seven inside – and he was barking at the offensive line saying, hey, let's go. we got to step up our game. Let's go. Let's win this. He was motivating his guys, going down the line, talking to all of them. And they turned it on. That second team unit turned it on, played better after that. And so he got something out of it. And that's, you know, a lot of times when you're a freshman, a newcomer, you walk yeah. in and you're inside your own head. Like, God, maybe think about this, the, the snap count, thinking about protection, blah, 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 all the things that you have to process. That wasn't his concern. His concern was, i got to get my guys up for this moment. So, look. If he comes in a game, he's still a freshman. Is he going to make a freshman mistake? Probably, because that's what freshmen do. And that's what sophomores and juniors do. They make mistakes. Um, but in terms of the mentality of being ready for the moment when it comes, I feel really, really good about him just based on what I've seen. I'm going to compare it to an LSU player that didn't play quarterback, but he was here during my time that came in when I was an older player, and that is JoJo LaFell, Brandon LaFell. He is someone that came in. It wasn't too much, but he came in and he had kind of the same mentality. And his freshman year, you know, he was a guy that had always been a star on his team. And it took just enough. Like he only had five catches for 140 yards. Well, he had two touchdowns in those five catches. But you could tell, like, he's like, okay, if I can just turn this just a little bit, like still keep the edge that I have, but turn it towards more of a team goal and a team 
fashion, then I can be a really good player here. The yeah. next year, national championship year, he has 50 catches, yeah. right, for almost 700 yards. And he was the perfect example. And now you're talking about a guy that played so long in the NFL, one of the best human beings you'll ever meet. And you can have that mentality without it being cocky or this guy's this, that, or the other, and you just flip it just a little bit, and it turns into such a positive advantage for you. Yeah, it, again, for, for me, with Nussmeyer, what I see is not me, me, me. It's, yep. it's, that, it's just a confidence in it, the guys around him in himself. And he's hard on himself, too. He, he, he missed a couple throws yesterday. was talking to himself. He, he's not – He's not oblivious. He he yeah. he totally uh, understands the team concept. Again, coach's son, he gets that. He just does it a different style than Max, who is quieter and keep your head down and work hard. And um and, and he's working on doing the opposite, right? He's working on coming out of his shell and right. being more communicative. And I saw that yesterday as well. But the one last big picture observation for me, and this is the the metaphor that came in my head this morning. Last year, LSU was like a kitten. Um, all the potential in the world. But young, inexperienced, the, the big cats had left the year before, gone to the NFL, and you had a bunch of young kittens running around. And they, were, they had all the talent, but they didn't have the experience. And what I saw yesterday, and this is just one day, this is just a Monday at camp, a few days into camp, some alley cats, like some street yeah. cats, like right. the kind that have like scars on their ears and patches of fur missing, and they're kind of nasty, and they're loud, and they're running around, and they ain't scared of nothing. And that, That's, again, just right. a random camp observation on a Monday. But those guys looked like they had been through some battles, and they knew what it took to make sure they didn't have the same result as the year before. And, look, there's different ways to build a program. There's different ways to sustain success. No one's looking back at last year and saying 5-5 five and five was okay. Right. No one. No one in the planet, no one at LSU, no one thinks it was okay. But all you can do once the failure happens is respond to it. And, again, it's very, very early. We'll see what happens this year. But there is a very different vibe around this team for a million different reasons. But one of them is they got their butts kicked last year. Yeah. And after you get your butt kicked, you either run away or you run back to it. And they're running back to it. There's a lot of talk and there's a lot of competition. There's a lot of looking at the guy across from you and, and challenging him, and then he comes back at It's a lot of back and forth. There's no one-sidedness to this. And so there's a different kind of nasty street cat, alley cat feel to this team that I hope translates into the season, hope translates into the next day at camp, much less the next week and then the next month. But they've got a starting point and something to build on. And you've got a team, and it's a, it's a great analogy because you have a team that's got some players that typically wouldn't be here that are here to prove a point. Guys that signed back with LSU in 2016. I'm talking about Andre Anthony. I'm yep. talking about Glenn Logan. I'm talking about a lot of guys. So because of COVID, they get an extra year, and they are out to prove something. right? I mean, we're talking about guys that signed in the same class as like Devin White and Greedy Williams. I mean, it's been that long since they've been at LSU, and now it's their time. Cam Lewis is another one. right? You've got multiple guys that are taking advantage of, of that extra year, and they want to go out there and they want to prove, hey, I was brought here for a reason. And I think Andre Anthony is the perfect example of a guy that you just described, right? He's been a stand-up outside linebacker. He's kind of moved positions a little bit. Well, now he's comfortable. He's at home in a four-down front with his hand in the dirt. He is an unquestioned leader of this football team. He's a guy that in one-on-ones yesterday was almost unblockable, and he's got that feel to him. He's got the alley cat feel to him where, man, I've been through some stuff. I've been doubted, I've been counted out, but I'm here now. And this is going to be 
my defense, right? I'm wearing the single-digit number. I'm going to be a guy that mm-hmm. flashes. And so if you can have that, if you have that kind of mentality mixed with just uber young talent like they have, it's a great mixture. And it's a mixture that can win you a lot of football games because you're right. Like you can have this young, flashy team, but they've never been through the battle, so they don't understand. But And you can have an old team that's just too tired and worn out. They just don't have enough young juice into them. But if you can mix those two things, which right now on paper and after a couple of training camp practices they have, it's a perfect storm. Hopefully it sustains. And hopefully yeah. it's not just the flash of camp that we're seeing and we're excited because it's you know the fourth day of camp and the energy is there. But again, I was sitting next to T-Bob, sitting next to Jeremy Hill yesterday, and I don't want to steal points from them that they may use on their radio shows, but one thing that they were talking about is the energy in that room was unlike anything they ever had in their time at LSU. Uh, certainly a camp, different programs, different times, different eras. I get it. But when former players are sitting there saying, man, this energy is really good. Look at Andre Anthony. He's dancing. He's taunting the offensive yeah. line. You know, look at uh, look at Mike Jones get up and, and start chirping at the offensive line, after uh, the, the backups after he makes a, a tackle. I mean, there was just a lot of that swag, and they were loving it. And they were – and so – when I get that vibe and it, it meshes with what I'm feeling, um, that's really exciting. Uh, okay, let's get to next segment. We're going to play a little game, a uh, new game on the show, and uh, see you on the other side of the break. All right, welcome back. We're going to play a new game. Uh, I can't remember if I've teased it or not. We've recorded this podcast all out of order. Let me put my headphones on. I, like I said, I'm shook. I'm still shook from the, the coffee incident. You're shook from Cody with the same order. Yep, that sorry. looked nothing like you. I, I hope Cody's listening. Shout out to Cody. Great order. Latte. Okay. Great order. He's probably sitting at the coffee shop now, actually, with us up New on con- Spaces. Definitely. New conspiracy theory. Cody knows me. He's a podcast listener. Saw me coming. Knows my order. Said his name was Cody. He's not really Cody. He's like mm. Jeff. <laughs> and he doesn't really like lattes, but he knows that I like lattes. That's, that's some narcissistic paranoia conspiracy theory that I'm coming up it's with. It's fine, though. Let's play a new game. Okay, let's do it. Truth. Quiet, guys. Tell the truth Monday. Or erroneous. 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 Erroneous on Shout both Shout out to counts. Vince Vaughn. Shout out to Coach O. Coach O, tell the truth Monday. Vince Vaughn. Erroneous on both counts. I'm going to edit that audio in on the pod. It's and I great. think he, I'm, I know he's a Notre Dame fan because he was literally in the movie Rudy, but I think his second team's LSU. If, uh, if you're listening and you rate and review the podcast, I will personally send you the picture of me and Vince Vaughn at the game, uh, the got, 2018 I, Alabama I've game. Got, I've got one from 18 and 19. Let's do it. We're going to send you our, our photos. But the Should bonus, we send this to Vince? Definitely. And the bonus is going to be this. I will also send you the picture of Paul Wall, me and Paul Wall, where I look like the gooberiest goober that ever lived next to Paul Wall. Uh, I hid that picture in the darkest depths of my soul and my phone. But it still, it still exists. So if you right. want to see a picture where I look like a complete idiot, which is, to be honest, most pictures that I take, I'd be happy to send it to you if you send me a screenshot of you rating and reviewing the podcast. I like that idea. By the way, Vince Vaughn knows his football. He does. Knows his I've football. heard him on radio talking about it. We were sitting there, and we were talking coverages ah. in the, in the so playoff game. he really game. knows his football. Like he really knows. He was like, I think the offense is trying to do this, right? And he was getting like confirmation. I'm like, actually, yes. Yes, yes, they are, Vince Vaughn. You smart man. Dream podcast guest. Got to get him on a five podcast. I don't know how we pull that off, but there's ways. I think there's a way. Okay, we'll, yep. we'll talk. We'll talk after. Truth or erroneous? And my computer died, so uh, I'm going to pull up my phone because I did take a picture of the question. I bet that other Cody didn't do that. No, that other Cody is smarter than me and charges his devices. 
overnight. There's a lot of truth in that as well. It's okay. I took a picture of a screen, and uh, you can see the questions here. Truth or erroneous, the timing of Miles Brennan's injury will end up being a blessing in disguise. And I emphasize the word timing yeah. and not injury because obviously the injury is not a blessing in disguise. It sucks, period. The timing of it, if he had to get injured, yeah. the fact that it happened when it did will be a blessing in disguise for LSU. So it, it, this was Max, the one that was injured, and Miles was still playing. Hold on, time out. Truth or erroneous? You have to say it, then answer. That's how we play the game. It's the rules. I don't make them. I just enforce them. No, the Actually, host. I make the man enforce them. Let me flip back my fingers then. Uh, truth. Truth. Now I'm good? First truth ever on Hey Fine Podcast. All right, Here this was Max got injured and Miles was the one getting all the reps. I still think that that would be a positive thing for LSU. You never want anyone to get injured. You want to have three quarterbacks, but that's not the reality. So if one did get injured... You'd rather it be now than two weeks in the camp when that person that got injured got half the reps. And then now all of a sudden you're like, man, I wish I could have given those reps to the guy that's not injured. So this has nothing to do with Miles, more just the injury and when it happened. If it had to happen, that timing of it allowed the starting quarterback to get all the reps, to have all the chemistry, to be the one voice in the huddle, to be the one cadence in the huddle. So all those things are positive and it sounds like you're going to get Miles back at some point mm, during the season. Stole my point. Good which point. Which is very, very good news yep. for us. You actually had a conversation with Miles uh, the other day, and he seems still upbeat because, God, that guy's got a fantastic yep. mentality. Yep. I mean, he has every reason to be down in the dumps, and he just he was not that. He's going to be back for this team. They're going to have him at some point. And so, truth. Okay, I like it. I, I agree. The reason I asked this question uh, is because, and again, the emphasis is on the word timing. When I was watching camp yesterday, the conversations that Jake Peets and Max Johnson were having after every single snap were absolutely invaluable. Like, you can't recreate that. You can't fake that. You can't do anything but see it play out in reality. The fact that after every single snap, every single decision he made, every single throw he made, he gets back together with Jake Peets. They talk. This, I mean, this wasn't a particular drill. This isn't when yeah. they're doing the whole practice, but every, the instant feedback and a hundred percent feedback. You'd be splitting that 50 50 with Miles Brennan if he were healthy and out there right now. So the timing of it, I think, gives Max Johnson the full attention he needs to take the next steps that he does. And we mentioned Garrett Nussmeyer. Same thing. Nuss is now working with the twos, he knows right. he's one snap away. If there were any part of his body, which I doubt, any part of his mind that would think, well, I'm the third guy, like I don't have to bring the juice today. Absolutely not the case. He's bringing the juice every day. In his head, he's competing to be the starter right now. Right. And so the other way I was going to phrase that question was truth or erroneous, the quarterback battle or the quarterback competition is actually not over. And I wanted to phrase it that specific way because I think I might have gotten an erroneous out of you there just because, look, Max is a starter and we know that. But they're competing. Like they are really, right. really competing. Nuss is out there playing like he's he wants the job, and I, I love that. I love what that does for the whole room. I love that what that does for Max right. to put some pressure on him. He's used to the pressure, the competition. He went through it last year. He's going through it again this year, and I love what Nuss brings to the table there. Still think Max is clearly the guy, but the fact that the timing of the injury happened when it did, it's 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 a to me a blessing in disguise in two ways. One, it gets the snaps that those guys need now. And it opens up the door for Miles Brennan coming back later in the year if you need him. Just think about the valuable reps that that Nussmeier is getting right now. I yep. mean, we talked about the valuable reps that Max is getting, and that's very, very truthful. But I mean, how many reps would Garrett really be getting? You know, right? Like right now, 
if you're splitting the ones and twos between Max and Miles, and then what's left over for for Garrett? Not a lot. Yeah. I mean, maybe three plays at the end of a drill. Well, now you're seeing what kind of leader he can be. You're seeing what he's going to be when it's his turn. So, yes, for Max, it's it's a big part of of how he's going to be set up for game one, but also for Nussmeier. Still worried about the depth there, obviously, because your third guy is a walk-on, and that makes me nervous. And that was one thing I noticed yesterday. It's like it's one thing to think, oh, they only have two guys. It's another thing to see it, and like if something happens to one of those guys, you're in a scary spot. Um, but let's not play hypotheticals right now. That's not the game. The game is truth or erroneous, and we're not going to do the hypotheticals. So, <laughs> truth or erroneous, three LSU running backs will rush for 400 yards this season. Oh, this one's tough. This one's tough. I'm going to say erroneous, mm. but here's why. Okay, yep. so I started to think about, man, what's that What's that going to take? What's that going to look like? And in 2007, we had we had stable running backs. I mean, we had multiple guys, uh, myself, Keelan Williams, Shannon Holiday, Charles Scott, Richard Murphy, the guy carries. It's a good room. And so that's why I think it's erroneous because when you look at that, Keelan had 478 yards, Trenton had 364, uh, Charles Scott had 324, Richard Murphy had 230. So for that reason, because I what truly did you have? think you can't just go uh, 1100. Okay, yeah, you can't just gloss over that being okay. humble. At 1100, I think there's four guys that are going to get yards now. Who the leader is, like we don't quite know that yet, but there's going to be four guys that have something like, you know, 300 plus yards. Yeah. I don't know what that plus is, but that's the only reason I say that. But this, this feels like you'll have a lead dog, whoever that is, right? And then you'll have nice pieces that are going to get not just like a couple of carries, but significant carries. So I want to take the space. I'm going to say truth. I think. Three guys will get there. I think we know who the first two are. It's going to be Ty Davis Price and John Emery in some order. I love Corey Kiner. Now, part of the reason I love Corey Kiner is because what you've told me about him. Yeah. And you talked about this on the podcast, the way that he was just around and trying to drink up knowledge and information and the character stuff, which I've heard from other people too, right. um, which is great. The other thing is the physical skill set. And... Everyone knows that I love Jack Marucci and love talking to Jack Marucci. And Jack Marucci was telling me that Corey Kiner, when they tested him with some of the positional testing that they did, tested really, really well. So did John Emery, by the way. But you put together the character. You put together the skill set. You put together the fact that I think LSU's line is going to be better in the run game this year. And that I think... As good as I expect Max to be, he's going to need some help in the running game. I don't think it's going to be a Joe Burrow year or even like a Miles right. Brennan at the start of last year where it's 375 yards a game. I think it's going to be 250 to 300, which, gosh, like the me that started on the beat 10 years ago is hearing like 250, 300 is like a conservative yeah. estimate yeah. and is just can't contemplate that. But you're going to need some help in the run game, and I could see games where you know TDP gets you 80, Emory gets you 50, Kiner gets yeah. you 30. And yeah. you multiply that over the season, play enough games, and, and they'll get there. So I'll go with uh, I'll go with truth. Also, uh, Josh Williams. Josh Williams is somebody that we didn't throw in that we didn't. equation. That's five guys working with the ones a little bit yesterday too. So that they, are getting carries. Yeah, and he he played well last year. He played yeah. a lot in those in those, those uh, final two games. Those last two games yeah. where LSU won. So, all right, truth or erroneous? Jeray Jenkins will be LSU's second leading touchdown receiver. This one's a tough one okay. because he is LSU's number two receiver to me. Just giving these caveats. Afraid to dive in and just say the answer. Typical head. Truth. 
Okay, there we go. You know why? Three one eight, three one great. But um, <laughs> no, he he was someone that, nice back. that was really really good last year, and I don't think a lot of people were expecting that from him. And anytime you're a veteran player, and you've got a group of young players pushing you to be your very best because they're there to take your job, and you know they're there to take your job while doing it as teammates, of course. Yep. I think this is someone that is going to solidify himself as the number two receiver behind Keishon Butte. And he's going to get a lot of targets in the red area as well. So I'll go truth. Now, he's going to be pushed. Uh, if you gave me a third option, I would say that because of his size in the red area, Thomas would be an option there. Yep. But still, I'll, I'll go with Jure. I'm going to say truth because if it's going to be anybody to me that, that beats him to the number two spot, in terms of total touchdowns, not the actual number two spot on the field, it's going to be one of those freshmen. I think two things will slow those freshmen, freshmen down. We'll put it in quotes. One, competition with each other. Mm. One day, Brian Thomas Jr. may be the guy. One day, Chris Hilton may be the guy. One day, it may be Deion Smith or Malik Neighbors. I think those guys will kind of compete with each other. The other thing is that typically, even going back to Jamar's freshman year, Terrace's freshman year, it just takes those freshman receivers a little bit longer to get comfortable. Now, this group feels, I don't want to say more ready, but feels pretty ready. However, I think because Jure is going to be ready from day one, I think he's going to get off to a good start to the season. He's going to build up a lead that no one else can quite catch up to. Now, look, Kayshawn's going to be the number one guy. I think he's going to catch you know, a bunch of touchdowns. I don't even want to put a number on it. And I don't think Jure will, will be in that, that stratosphere total number-wise. Mm-hmm. But from what I've seen, I think he's ready to be your number two guy. If he's a number three, he's an excellent number three. And I also think he's a little bit of a late bloomer which we saw last year, and I think this year he's going to take a, uh, another step. I don't think what we saw last year is peak Jure. I think he's going to be better this year than he was last year. So I like him as the number two guy, both on the depth chart and with touchdowns. He flashed like quick too last year, like Mississippi State game. It was first game. I mean, he he kind of stood up and stood tall when you know you were counting. You assumed you'd have Jamar Chase and, and Terrace would be the number two, and Jure was trying to find himself as the number three, and he goes to the number two and stood up in that game. Also, I'm basing this off of one catch that I saw yesterday. It was a really nice catch. <laughs> and so my, my stock on Jerry yeah. Jenkins went up. So good job, Cody. Good sample size. All right, last one. Uh, well, we've done all off. Can we do two more? We got time for two more? Yeah, we got, yeah. Let's do two more. Uh, one on the offensive line. Anthony Bradford. Oh, sorry. Excuse me. <clears throat> Rewind. <laughs> Truth or erroneous? Anthony Bradford will be LSU starter at right guard. Erroneous. Mm. Because I think he's still going to be pushing for the left tackle position. Bradford. Yep. I think I saw him out there on Saturday. I think that that's going to be a, a camp battle. Bradford was at left tackle on Saturday. He was. Ooh, tidbit. Yeah, Little he was. Scoop. Scoop. I, I think that he's going to push for that job. We'll see if he can get it done. Um, I think Dillinger was at you know guard yesterday for a reason yep. as well. So it looks like those guys are trying to do a couple of different positions. So I think Bradford has a chance to potentially fight for that job. I like the shuffling pieces. I, I wasn't expecting this. Yeah. I wasn't. I didn't know that he. Had, I wasn't out there this weekend. Didn't know yeah. that he had worked some at left tackle. Interesting. What I saw yesterday was Dellinger working with the ones at guard, and Anthony Bradford taking that personally. Yeah. And again, I only saw about half of the nine on seven. But when I say he put some guys on their back, yeah, so he was saying. putting guys on their back. And it was physical, and it was eye-popping stuff. Again, my eye does not get drawn to offensive line. I can't judge offensive line play. 
I can judge when a guy's putting dudes on their back. Yeah. And he was doing it. And so will he be their starting right guard? I'm going to say truth. I think he might okay. get the job and they may keep wire at left. And then you've got uh, Dellinger is kind of your swing guy, your Ethan Posich from his freshman year that can plug in at a bunch of different spots. And Chase and Hines probably factors in there somewhere, but I'm going to say truth. And all I have to do is get one start out of him, and I think it counts, right? Because I said starting. You did. So yeah. just one start. So I'm setting the bar, I'm setting the bar really low. Yeah, one start. Come on. Come on, Anthony. All right, let's do one on defense. Truth or erroneous? Jay Ward is going to lead LSU in turnovers forced. So forced fumbles. We'll even throw in fumble recoveries. We'll throw in picks. He's going to be the leading guy when you add up all those numbers. Picks, forced fumbles, Truth. fumble recoveries. Truth because I know there's going to be corners that have a lot of interceptions, but he's going to have his as well. Yes. And I think he's going to force some fumbles. I do too. Because he was around the ball every time I looked up this weekend, I saw a five jersey. Like he was always there. So for that reason, right? Pick up a little, you know, somebody else calls a fumble, you pick it up and you run it the other way, all those type of things. I think he's going to lead LSU in forced turnovers and just ones that he happens to be around the football and it bounces up to him. Can I say something crazy right now that I may regret as soon as it comes out of my mouth and I may change my stance on it next week after I watch the scrimmage yeah. this weekend. I feel better about the defense right now than I do the offense. And I feel good about the offense. Yeah. But from what I've seen on the defense in terms of depth, safety, Jay Ward looks exceptional. Major Burns has fit in immediately. Sage Ryan is going to factor in there somewhere. Todd Harris is experienced there. I feel good about safety. Linebacker, man, you got Damone Clark, you got Jared Small who are experienced. Damone made Bruce Feldman's freak list again yeah. this year because he runs a 4-5 and he can bench like 450 pounds, right. from something ridiculous. I think Damone's going to have a good year. But then you got Mike Jones who looked great yesterday, Bug Strong. Both of those guys had huge hits, and I'm like, man, there's some talent here. Greg Penn, yeah. another Jack guy that Jack Marucci likes the way that he looks when he – He's doing some of this testing. Yeah. You got some guys there. Now, defensive line, maybe the deepest position on the field for LSU. I mean, Mason Smith looked ridiculously good yesterday. Neil Farrell, Glenn Logan, Jaqueline Roy. Yeah. I mean, there's there's dudes all over that defensive line, and then you go to the outside with Ali Gay, BJ Ojalar. I feel better about the defense than I do the offense right now. And I hope I don't regret that. Hopefully the offense doesn't just destroy the defense and make me look like an idiot this weekend. But to tie it all back in truth or yeah. erroneous, I think it's true. I think Jay Ward is going to have not a Grant Delpit 2018-like year necessarily. He's going to do it his own way. Mm -hmm. But I think he's going to be one of those guys that every game it's like, man, that guy's got a net. It's, it's, I'm predicting the tweet now. Like Someone someone on the beat's going to tweet, yeah. man, Jay Ward makes plays every game. Like He's going to be that guy who constantly is around the ball, being disruptive. So I think like four picks, four forced fumbles, four fumble recoveries, Like set the bar there with 12. I don't think anyone else gets there. Look, going back in, in the defense – it wasn't a Jimmy's and Joe's problem last year. They had the guys. Now they have the communication, and they have got the scheme to set them up to be successful. Loved what I saw from Durante Jones yesterday. Yeah. Like Very Again, vocal. I was just talking about Jake Peets. Every snap, every snap, Durante Jones was coaching his guys on, hey, make this adjustment, make that adjustment. And every time that he told them to do that, they fixed it, and they won the next play. It was so back and forth yesterday, which I know they say every camp year, but that was fun to watch them just kind of battling back and forth. Durante correcting something, Pete's correcting something, and this constant like back and forth. And those guys were listening. If they can get yeah. to where they don't need the coach to tell them, and they can just fix it themselves on the yeah. fly, this that's going to make this team, which I think is you know a very very good team, to a great team. I agree. <laughs> All right, that was truth or erroneous. That was fun. I like that. Truth or erroneous. Truth or erroneous was fun to play. Truth. 
listeners, truth or erroneous? Truth or erroneous was fun to listen to. Erroneous! Erroneous! Erroneous on both counts. Let me, like, let me know. It's like we need a Vince Vaughn sound. Oh, I'm definitely going to go okay. and post and edit some Vince Vaughn. All right, let's get to, uh, let's take a break again, and we'll get to our question. Run up score. Make Mike the tiger stand right up and roar. Give it all your mind and your All right, let's get to some questions. we got a bunch of people listening patiently on Twitter spaces, and we're going to do the high-tech solution again where I hold the mic, uh, hold the, the phone hey, up to the mic. it's so. the old kiss, you know. Just keep it simple. That's right. Keep it simple. This is the simplest solution. So I'm going to go to Owen. says he's connecting. Hey, hey, can you hear me? Yeah, hear you loud and clear. What's up, Owen? What's up, man? Um, I was just, I know you said you, you were at practice. Um, is the Ty Davis-Price injury, is it bad or is it is it just something, is it just minor? All right, thanks for the question, Owen. Let me disable him. I'll let you start talking about Ty Davis. Yeah, so I, I can actually uh, speak on that one because Coach Joe came on our show off the bench earlier today, and he said it is a normal camp injury. So to me, that's like one of those knocks. It's like a day, maybe two days. Maybe you want to be a little precautious with it just because you are in training camp mode. He did not make it sound like it was going to be an injury that kept him out any length. And so we'll probably you know find out more about that injury. And he had a big day on Saturday, Cody. I was telling you that. Ty Davis Price, man, he flashed to me. He had a couple of nice inside runs on nine on seven. He had a long uh, touchdown run where he finished and was able to beat the defense on Saturday when they had their team drills as well. So hopefully it's not, not uh, you know something that's too serious. It seemed like it was a minor camp injury. He'll be back here in a couple of days. But what this is doing now is it's allowing the young running backs because John Emery's had some some class things that he has to finish up before the intercession uh, semester finishes up, and he's not the only one with multiple players that are going through that right now. But the young bats, uh, backs, you talk about Goodwin and you talk about Corey Kiner, they've flashed as well because they're having the opportunity. Yep. They're having the opportunity because TDP and John have been out a little bit. So that's one position. You've heard me say this before. You can play as a freshman. You can either run the football or you can't. And now in college football, the fact you don't have pass – uh, protection responsibilities like you used to like it's a lot of five-man protections or if it's a six-man protection with you in the protection it's one look and go and so now you can go in and you can play as a true freshman at that position last week when i put a an all call for twitter questions out i tweeted that video of coach o at the rotary club and he was like um he, he basically said you can do you can uh, ask any questions you want but if it's about recruiting i can't answer it right and if i don't like it i'm not going to answer it um i should add a third thing for that for us I don't know how much we can or can't talk about injuries just because like it's private medical yeah. stuff. But I, I think the Ty Davis Price question is yeah. innocuous enough and the injury is innocuous, innocuous enough that we can say. I saw him before practice. You, I think you were standing right there with yeah. us when we shook his hand. I thought he was. I thought he was about to practice. Like, a, right. I was surprised that he wasn't practicing later. So I don't think it's a huge deal. No, it's nothing and, to worry and about. I agree with you. Like normally, I wouldn't sit here and try to diagnose a, a, an injury. But with Coach O coming on the show a little bit earlier today and kind of saying. Gave you the what it was, yep. like it didn't make me feel like it was going to be something that kept him out long term. And you're right, we did see him yesterday, and I thought he was going to practice. I actually told him, I was like, hey, man, Saturday, you look great. Keep that up. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we were surprised, but I don't think it'll be a, a long issue. Owen, thanks for the question. All right, let's get to Robert. Robert, you have been waiting for a while, so let me hit add. Hey, can you hear me? Yep, loud and clear. Okay, uh, so there's a lot of buzz going around. Brian Thomas Jr. and Eli Ricks kind of going battling at practice, you know, and I'm there's been several people saying Brian Thomas is getting the best the, the best out of him. Do uh, is there any truth to that? And is he the wider the freshman wide receiver that you think could step up and make some noise this year? All right, thanks for the question, Robert Hester. You can take that one. When you start talking about freshman 
pass catchers on this team, Hilton, Thomas, Besh, Neighbors, Smith. This has the potential to be one of those all-time classes that we point back and say, remember when that group came in? And it's a group where you can play three, four guys, and so you can really keep them all engaged in the game plan. But let's talk about Brian Thomas. Um, so I went to practice on Saturday and Sunday, and a couple of people were asking me about my thoughts about practice. And I told them about TDP. I thought he had a really nice practice over the weekend. And I wrote a lot of people, and the text just said, Brian Thomas is a problem because he is. If you're a defender. A, and- good, a good problem. A good problem. Well, a bad problem for defenders. In football terms, like when you say that dude's a problem, the other team better watch out. Yeah. So just wanted to be clear about that. He's he's a good problem. Hey, we got a hip crowd. I know, know. I know, but I'm just saying we have a hip crowd. But I'm 36. I get that. But let me be hip for a second. I'm gonna I'm gonna interrupt you for a second. I don't want you to lose your talking point on Brian Thomas being a problem. (laughs) However, we do have a hip crowd. We also have a crowd that would include someone like my dad. And dad, I'm sorry, I have to call you out on this. Wow. So we're we're at my brother's wedding this weekend. And my dad, we're sitting at the table um, eating dinner, and he, he says, hey, I, I just want to give you some constructive criticism for, for you and, and Hester on the podcast. You guys need to slow down. You're talking really fast. Like, I'm having trouble understanding you. Just slow down. And I was like, okay, well, yeah, we'll definitely take that yeah. into consideration. Like, you're right. Sometimes you get on the mic and you start, you know, talking way too fast and you don't realize it. But no one's told me that before. So I was a little bit surprised. I'm usually the opposite. Yeah. They're like, hey. Speed up. Your southern draw, like speed it up a little bit. Yeah. Super fast on the football field, a little bit slower on the microphone. Right? Well, thanks for that. <laughs> Wait, we can have that conversation later. All right. I'll try to slow this down a little bit. Well, for, no, no. Hold on. There's a Coach pun- Warsham. No, there's a, there's a punchline here. Okay. The next day he calls me and he said, hey, that criticism that I gave you, I need to apologize. I was showing one of my friends that was with him on the trip the issue that I was having and he saw in the bottom corner that he was listening to us on 1.5 speed. Mm. So we literally sounded like we were... <laughs> we were trending holiday on the mic, yes. right? We were Benny Brazel on the mic. That makes a lot of sense. And, uh, and so that's, okay. we do have a hip crowd, but we also have a crowd that doesn't know how fast they're listening to that it. That is so very, very Back fair. to Brian Thomas being a problem. He is, because he did get Elias Ricks one of the times I was out there, and it was a deep route, but he wasn't just keeping it to one DB. I mean, it was multiple <laughs> he DBs. He wasn't just picking on Ricks. He no, and uh, Elias Ricks one of the best corners in the country. This is someone that, when you go look at his junior highlight tape, might have been the best that, that I'd seen that year, right? I mean, his junior highlight tape was fantastic. Now, last year, he still had a heck of a year, but things were so messed up because of the way the offseason was or wasn't for everybody, right? It wasn't the junior year, but it was still really good tape. I mean, he's picked up where he left off his junior year. I mean, he is out there, and he is high-pointing the ball. He's got confidence. He's running the right route, which is half the battle when you're talking about having a freshman receiver. And different guys have flashed from that position group at different times. Like, you know, Jack Besh right now, he's trying to learn a new position. He's trying to learn the tight end position. He was maybe arguably the best receiver in the state the last two years at the high school level. But he's trying to get on the field. He's trying to do what he can to help the team. And does he have to learn things as far as being a blocker? Yeah, absolutely. But I tell you what, one-on-ones when he's going against a backer or safety because of his receiving skills, they can't cover him. So this freshman group, of pass catchers has the ability to be the one that we talk about saying, man, you remember when that class came in where they had those five guys and they all five contributed to the team? It has that feel to it. Yeah, they're, they're special. You could see that out there yesterday. Um, and there's there's legit competition there behind Keishon Butte. And really, Keishon Butte is feeling it too. He said it in his media session yesterday that 
you know, every day it's, it's go out there and, and don't let someone take your job. And, uh, and you could see that, that pressure uh, on the field yesterday in display. And I saw Jare Jenkins make a fantastic catch. Uh, I saw um, those guys, Hilton, Thomas, really making plays. It's going to be a special group. Um, let's get to a couple more questions. If anyone listening on Spaces wants to hop in and request a question, we can do that as well. I'm trying to get some questions here on my, uh, on my computer from Instagram, but I think I'm going to have to grab my phone and do that. So we'll get to the Spaces questions again in a second, but I got a bunch of questions on Instagram. So I'm going to hop over to Instagram stories. Uh, let's see. Well, let's just start with you. Will Jamie Tart lead the championship in goals this year? Uh, from Jacob Hester, 18 on Instagram. So I haven't seen the latest episode of Ted Lasso, which I came out Sunday night, I guess. Yeah. Is Jamie officially on the, the squad now? Spoiler alert for Ted Lasso fans. Yeah. If you haven't watched it yet, uh, if you're like Cody and for some reason delayed the greatness that is Ted Lasso, uh, he's back. AFC Richmond. Okay. Yeah. Then will he lead the championship in goals this year? They've had a real issue with ties in the episodes that I've seen so far. They a lot need, of draws. They need some, some uh, punch up front. I think he will. I mean, okay. he, he's. But here's the thing about Jamie Tart. He learned to make the extra pass, so he may sacrifice five goals here and there yeah. for five extra assists to make the extra pass. All right, that's the breakdown I'm looking for. Okay, uh, one more question from Instagram. Uh, let's scroll through and find a good one. Oh, this one's a good one for you. This one's for Michael Moore, two or oh, I I three one great. Yep, yep. Three, another three one great. Fourth and one, who you got? Now he may have been planning that to you know to butter you butter you up, fellow three one eight guy, and but I'm talking about this team. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm I'm build on his question. Fourth and one on this football team. Who's getting the rock? Max Johnson. Ooh, I'm gonna throw a curveball your way. Yeah, Max Johnson uh, is someone that has the ability to get under center and get whatever you need. If you need an inch, he's gonna get two. If you need a yard, he's gonna get a yard and a half. Not to say that the running backs on this team cannot pick up that yard, but let's remember. Let's remember where the offense is now. This is not an offense that's going to dot the I. It's an offense that's going to run at a gun. Now, you can run zone, power, counter, any of your stretch at a pistol. You can run any of your runs at a gun. But if you're asking me fourth and one, I'm going to take my 6'5 quarterback. Yeah. My 6'5 quarterback who's got some strength. My 6'5 quarterback who has running ability. We saw last year, Coach O said it numerous times after Missouri game, we're going to be able to pick up a yard. And how did they do that? Well, they ran their quarterbacks. Their quarterbacks were big physical guys who had running ability. So fourth and one, game of the line, let's get to Max. No concerns that you only have two scholarship quarterbacks and that fourth and one could cost you a game, a couple games? I don't think so. When you Look, 2018, when Miles had an injury that not a lot of us knew about, like, I don't think that slowed down what they did with Joe. Not enough for it to matter. 2019, you had, you know, Peter Parrish at that time, he wasn't, he was a freshman, he wasn't ready to play. You didn't slow down, and you had Miles as the backup there. I just, I, I don't think you can call a cautious game. I just don't think you can because you have a skill set with your quarterback. It's a skill set that he's used his entire life. He knows how to handle it. Does he have to be smart in situations? Hey, if you can take a hit off of you, don't try to just, blow the guy up, right? Go ahead, get down, live to play another day, take your positive gain and move on. Um, the fact that Garrett Nussmeyer's mentality doesn't make me nervous because if he got told, hey, you're up, he's ready. Yeah, I yes. think if you see him like from day one, you know if he had to, it wouldn't be too big for him. Yep. I don't think you can call the game cautiously. Look, Max has a skill set. You have to call the place to that skill set. I think they will. Okay, last call for questions on Twitter spaces. If you're listening and you want to ask a question, 
uh, somewhere you should see a button that says uh, request or ask questions. You can hop in now. I'm going to give you all a second just to uh, work up the courage to come on mic. It's a courageous thing to do, to put your voice out there for the people to hear. So if, uh, if you want to ask a question, please request it now. I'll give it just a few more seconds, then I'm going to go back over to Instagram for a couple questions that we got there. I'm not seeing anything come through, so let's go over to Instagram and keep the train rolling. Alan underscore Goodwin asked, how does Liam look? Lloyd was such an underrated part of the 19 offense at the center spot. I think Lloyd was maybe the most undervalued player on the entire team. The leadership that he brought, getting guys in the right spot, and also the talent that he had. It's a guy that started, I think, every game for the Denver Broncos a year ago. I mean, he was a starter from day one at the center position in the NFL. Yep. That, that's almost impossible to be able to do. So I agree with you there on Lloyd. You know who said, whose opinion was the – your opinion was great on, on Lloyd. I'm not trying to undermine you. Whose opinion was the strongest on Lloyd? Joe Burrow. Yeah. Joe Burrow – Okay, I get he, it. He would he would it. ride or die from Lloyd for, <laughs> right. from day one. Like from day one, he was on Team Lloyd, and so like look again, your opinion is very 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 valid. It's just not quite as valid as the guy that was taking snaps from him. Chill, chill, chill. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I agree with you 100. One of the question: How does uh, how does it, Liam it's look? Such, it's such just a crucial position. If you don't have that guy, you're not going to have a lot of success. I mean, 2007, Brett Helms was such a big factor of what we did to win a national championship. Lloyd was. I mean, you could go back to the 03 team, Rodney Reed. I mean, they had that, that position. If you don't have a guy, it's almost like not having a quarterback. Yep. I mean, he's getting everybody in the right spot. I, I just got to imagine, because this is someone, when we talked with uh, Jim Nagy, the exec, uh, executive director of the Reese's Senior Bowl, when Liam first came to LSU, he's like, I think he's a draftable guy. Yeah. Right? And draftable guy who was learning a new conference without an offseason. You're going from the Ivy League to the SEC. And I think he held his own in that new, year. New position, right? When he had more yeah. of a tackle he at was. Harvard. Yeah. So you're learning all of that on the fly. So coming into year two, I've got I've got a pretty high expectation level of what he's going to be. Like we know he's got the smarts to get everybody lined up, call the right slide protections and point out the right mic and all of that. But I think now he knows physically what it's going to take to play in the SEC. I'm expecting a big year, and I'm going to hold him to a pretty high standard yeah. of what his play's got to be. I, th I think he looks really good. It's it's hard to – I mean, we were watching some 9-on-7 yesterday, and they're still not in full pads. They do have the, the – the is that a shell? Would that be a shell with the shoulder pads and the helmets? Um, that's that's what they're in right it was, now. It was, it was, I mean oh, – But it's super physical. It's full pads. <laughs> Zero question that it's super physical. Um, and I thought he looked really good. The most important thing – like, I'm not, I'm not a great – uh, judger of O-line play and you know running schemes. I was sitting next to T-Bob and, and Jeremy Hill yesterday as they were, they were going through 9-on-7. They were breaking it down, and I was like, all I'm seeing is a bunch of dudes hitting each other, but it's yeah. fun to watch. And, and you can kind of see like who's making plays. But the, the biggest thing I noticed is when they broke off into individuals and you had the O-line working together, um, Liam, so Liam was at center, Deculus had right tackle, and they were working Garrett Dellinger at, at right guard. Yep. And it was... You know, this is what my eye catches because I don't understand all the football terminology. But you kind of saw them, the, the Coach Davis, turning up the heat on Dellinger. Like, I'm throwing you in. Make, yeah. go, go, go get the job done. And he'd make a mistake, a freshman mistake. You know, a, they'd call a, um, a protection or a scheme, and he'd maybe step slightly wrong or steps. And Coach would jump on him, and, and he'd kind of look to, to, to Liam. And, and then he looked to Austin. And they're in his ear, and they're telling him yeah. either you know either the constructive criticism of look you gotta you gotta step in and then step out, you gotta step out and then step in, or reemphasizing what coach is saying. Yeah, come on, get it together. And so it's that leadership 
of a very talented guy in Dellinger who they're going to use this year, but he's able to look to the guy next to him on, on either side. And you've yeah. got a guy in his sixth camp on one side and a guy in his sixth camp on the other side right. because those guys have been around for so long. So, and that's uh, super valuable. And uh, in addition to what he'll bring to the table physically, I think it's uh, absolutely massive what he brings. In terms you of you have to have that guy at center. And I know we've gone long on, on the center position, but you have to. Uh, in 07, I'll go, I'll go back to Brett Helms. Brett Helms was breaking in a guy like Herman Johnson, who came here as a tackle, was playing guard. He was breaking in Lyle Hitt, who came here as a defensive lineman, was playing guard. Uh, Cardell Thomas came here as a defensive end. He was playing tackle, right? And so Brett was that, and Saron Black, of course, a left tackle, but that center is that voice. And he was able to help transition those guys from playing a little bit out of position, right? And Dellinger, when you look at him, he's, he's playing a little bit out, out of position, right? Yep. He's a tackle, but they think he can help them this year at guard. So Dellinger is going to be a guy they count on, but having Liam Shanahan, Austin Deculus next to him, that's going to be very valuable if he All does, right. in fact, play there. All right, I think that'll do it for today uh, on the podcast. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for your questions. You can always hop in on Instagram, on Twitter, or send us in a voicemail question, and we'll get to those as well. So thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time on Hey Fight Black. Like nights of old, we fight to hold the glory of the purple and gold. Come on, you tigers. I said fight, fight, fight. Victory for Don't